This is Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 26th of March, 2021. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dale Franks. And I'm Bruce McQueen. And uh, we've had quite quite a big week for news. A bunch of stuff has happened. And it's hard to know where to begin. But I think let's begin with the Joe Biden press conference, a press conference that I really wanted to watch. And, you know, when you when you really want something and you, you, you really something is important to you and you really want to struggle to. to well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, <sighs> the yeah, Biden that was press uh, conference. I, it, it, the Hill, I thought, well. We can talk about Joe Biden, but I thought the Hill summed up the press very well. He said the questions for the president were meek and vague, failing to extract any specific information about the policies or solutions to the myriad problems faced by this administration. Um, and, and that's absolutely true. Uh, and more or less by design. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question about that. You you know, we both I think we both knew that this was a, a, a Joe Biden handler's nightmare, and we just wondered how they were going to handle it. Well, now we know Joe Biden had a number of cheat sheets. He had pictures of the journalists. Mm-hmm. He had those circled that he was going to call on. Uh, and, and and numerical order. So, yeah, he, he and frankly, I would not be at all surprised if he knew what the questions were ahead of time. Yeah, they claim that wasn't so, uh, but you, you noticed he had a note for every question asked, which kind of tells you, you know, he, he read his, his notes for every question asked. And, um, and, 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 you know, another thing that was, was absolutely startling about this thing is, is the freaking eerie silence uh, during, the, during the press conference. Uh, you know, uh, they, they would. I mean, the press was was absolutely um, cowed, or, or 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 maybe just behaved. Uh, whereas when when Trump had his first press conference, um, you know, he'd get a ten seconds of an answer, and they, and, the, and the reporters would be trying to interrupt him. Uh, in fact, he was interrupted. I believe the, the number was sixteen times during his first first press conference in twenty seventeen. Whereas um, you know, Biden got interrupted four times, but the, even the the interruptions were wimpy. So it was, uh, yeah, it was. Um, wow, I mean, the guy, the guy got through it. Yeah, kudos to him for that. But it was not a pretty thing to watch, and and, and then you know lay on the fact that uh, he he blatantly lied about stuff, especially the border. I mean. It, <laughs> I mean, he just flat. Even the even the fact checkers at the Wapo, you know, Washington Post couldn't, you know, deny that. Well, it was you know, awful. It's, it's, it's interesting. Number of uh, the statistic I saw: number of detainees at the border in November of 2020, 700. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number today, 14,000. Don't tell me that you were left with some sort of crisis that you now have to clean up. Yeah. To the exactly. extent that there was a crisis. It's a crisis of you and the the open borders advocate that you have now put in charge of solving the crisis. Um, well, she claims now now Dale. She claims she's not. That's not her her charter. Her charter is to handle the diplomacy. You know, get a hold of the leaders down there and see if they can't work something out. Not not take care of the border mess. 
And Mexico's president just came right out and said it. You know, this is your fault. You're the one who oh, encouraged yeah. all these people to come here. Yeah, and, and, and the Mexican president has watched both, you know, watched this all happened during the Trump, what happened during the Trump administration and now what's happened during the, the Biden administration. He flat well knows who who's this mess is. So, you know, so, yeah. So so between the what appeared to be a very well prepared president um, and his preparation, which included just a number of absolute untruths, um, I'm not sure who was served about this other than um, it clearly shows that he's not going to get the Trump treatment from the press. Right. And I mean, anytime somebody stands up there and says, I'm going to say something outrageous, I've never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you uh, if you hold near and dear to you that that you like to be able to anyway, I uh, we're going to get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not concerned about that and you don't probe and try and fight it and you're not much of a press corps. You're a propaganda machine well you know that's largely what the press corps has become well that's that's the thing and that's what got me i guess what got me more about this than anything you know one of the things i thoroughly enjoy about the uk is is when the prime minister standing up there and the opposition's throwing crap at him or her uh, right and left and and you know it's, it's usually very clever uh, and and even the i mean the trump pressers were were combative but this was like a staged show. That's what hit me about this. This was like a staged show that mostly stayed on script. Yeah, and the times that it didn't, it was Biden who went off script. But he, he right. did rein himself in. Okay, he, I, I guess he knew what he that he was starting to ramble, and so he yeah. had enough presence of mind to say, "Well, I should probably just shut up." Yeah, and 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 I think. You know, that's that's kind of where he is, is he knows he's got a problem. And he knows he needs to shut up. And that's <laughs> he he, uh, he was asked about a second term. Yeah, are, exactly. Are you ginning up for a second term? And oh, you know, he made oh, it yeah. sound like, oh, yes, of course, we're we're going to be getting that uh, that second campaign underway any minute. You bet, man. I'll be 86 when I finally get out of office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Okay, yeah, and 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 um, you know he they they spent a lot of time I think on on the border trying to get more out of him and and it, it was also kind of funny what did he do I'm trying to remember he was asked about North Korea and he flipped to something else uh, I can't recall how that went but you know even even if even if he was going to uh, be asked a hard question, he he had some place to go. He had been told to go here, and he did. And so apparently, North Korea was was one of those where he was told, "Yeah, go somewhere else." Yeah, well, in a week he, where North Korea resumed missile testing, yeah, probably wise to go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I read was, you know, at the end he deferred to the Univision reporter uh, because he knew. Uh, he, he how he'd be treated there and and they they went in for a long series of questions and answers that were you know pretty easy for old joe yeah again all by design this is whole all by design yeah that's what i'm saying this was a staged show and that's what it hit me this was a propaganda piece 
And, and that's scary. Yeah, well, this is what we have to look forward to for the next however many months he's going to remain president. Unfortunately. I, I find it fascinating how often pictures of Joe Biden have Kamala Harris hovering like a ghoul in the background. I know. I know. And there was the thing that yeah. went out this week that everyone is to refer to this as the Biden-Harris administration. Yeah, that's their favorite pronouns. Not the Biden administration. <laughs> no, that's right. It's the Biden-Harris administration. So when that <clears throat> transition becomes reality... Uh, we can just you know, drop the Biden. For it. Yeah, we just drop the Biden end of it. And then we put Harris TBD. Yeah, I, 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 I do not for a second believe that he feels he is going to run for a second term. Well, he may actually believe that. I don't think anybody else does. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure he does. I mean, he, he, he didn't actually come out and say it, but he certainly gave the impression that he saw his presidency as a stopgap to keep Donald Trump from being reelected. And he sort of saw himself, especially at his age, as a one-term president. Yeah, and that's that's humble Joe. Now Ego Joe is saying, yeah, hell yeah, I'm running. Yeah, Ego Joe always gets the best of humble Joe. Yeah, that's, that's right. In the mouth, the, 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 you know, the alligator mouth and the hummingbird ass. Yeah, that's been true for years and years about that. Yep, thing. it sure has. And nothing's going to change. Nope, so... You know, it it went about it went about the way I expected. I expected him to have been very well prepared, and he would go through whatever motions he had been prepared to go through, and then it would be over, and that was it. Uh, I didn't yep. expect it to be combative for a number of reasons, largely because right. the most press of, has most no, of which we've talked about. <laughs> yeah, the press has no reason to be combative combative with him because he's their guy, um, right? And everybody went easy. I mean, th there were just no tough questions. And when even well, when even you know the Hill and Washington Post have to come oh, out yeah. and say, "Yeah, this is really this not, this wasn't a great press conference. The press didn't look good." Well, well, they looked exactly the, the way we expected them to look. Yeah, and that and the fact that you know they decide the the administration decided who they're going to who they were going to call on. So that means. You know, Fox News or anybody else isn't going to get a shot at all. He's not going to get a hard question. Uh, and and the 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 numbered uh, faces, you know, the the faces of the little picture book of the of the uh, uh, news people that, that were there were numbered. Call on this one first. Call on this one second. Call on this one third. You know, and they probably didn't get through the whole thing. But it, it, you know, you knew immediately when. He's standing there with that information in front of him. There weren't going to be any hard, hard questions by anybody because these people have been chosen because they knew they wouldn't ask them. Yep. Well, that's. Huh. I, I think I'm I, just amazed we didn't have a question about his dog and the dog bite. You know? I mean, come on. Yeah, that would have been the toughest question he faced all day. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, moving beyond poor Joe Biden. Uh, to the state of Georgia, which has apparently uh, reintroduced Jim Crow voting measures. To uh, you know, I, I think the funniest, I think the funniest, I, you know, I think the funniest thing I saw about it was 
Georgia has just put into law the biggest voter suppression deal uh, since Jim Crow. They're going to pay for that at the polls. Yeah. And, um, and, wait a second. And, hold on. Hold on. If they've just put in the biggest voter suppression law since Jim Crow. <laughs> how, how do they pay for it at the polls? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just trying to parse out what you mean. Well, let me give you an example of uh, how how misrepresented this has been. You know, <clears throat> one of the one of the things they're saying is they're taking away the absentee uh, uh, ballot boxes, drop boxes uh, that uh, were out there so people could deliver their absentee ballots in, in safety and security. Well, here's what really happened. The Georgia ballot drop boxes ne have never existed prior to COVID-19 when the legislature uh, gave the governor uh, the nod on the state of emergency declaration over COVID-19, guess what was part of that? Part of that was we're going to do this absentee stuff and we're going to put these ballot boxes out there, you know, for people to drop their, their absentee ballots in. So what did they do when they, so what happens when the state of emergency declaration over COVID-19 expires, which it will soon, those drop ballot drop boxes go away. So what did the state do? They legislated the law, the uh, drop boxes into existence again. That's what they did. And, and so there'll be there's legally now part of voting law that says you can have ballot drop boxes in the state of Georgia. How about that? Now, that's not at all the way it was uh, characterized in the press. And, uh, you know, so there, those drop boxes will be there uh, for people to drop uh, their ballots in. They will, uh, as they always have been as, since I've been working there, two people will go out every day. They'll take the ballots out, they'll, you know, they'll put them in a sealed thing. And, and the other thing, you know, this is all good. This is good stuff. So what they have done is exactly what they should have done. And what did they catch? Or what, what goes out about it? Misinformation. I mean, geez, you know. And, and I think the other thing that, um, what was it Joe Biden was whining about is you, you can't give him food and water and line voters. Yeah, exactly. Well, That's been one of the, the, the talking points. It's now a crime to give voters food me, and water when now, they're let, standing in line. Now, let me read to you the law as written no person shall solicit votes or distribute or display any campaign material nor shall any person give offer to give or participate in giving of any money or gifts including but not limited to food and drink to a voter that's the part that's as far as they read Right below that is, this code section shall not be construed to prohibit a poll officer from making available self-serve water from an unattended receptacle to a voter waiting in line. And as Dan McLaughlin points out, uh, notice what's not prohibited here. Voters can bring their own water and their own food and other beverages to stand in line, you know? So all they're saying is, like any other vote and many, or any other state, and it, that I've seen lists of many, many states that have similar laws. You can't mess with the voters when they're in line. Yeah, especially poll workers. Yeah, both. Both people who are, are not there to vote and poll workers. 
you can't mess with people people in line. Leave them alone. They're there to vote. You're not there to, you know, offer any inducement to vote the way you want them to or anything, even if it's, you know, a bottle of water. That doesn't mean they can't bring water. That doesn't mean that water can't be available in a self-service place. So, you know, so, so that's that's what I'm saying. You know, it's the usual stuff, uh, half truths and bullshit. Of course, uh, none of this was helped by Matt Walsh going off today, talking about how he thinks too many people vote anyway. He loves the Georgia law. And in fact, there should probably be tests for people to vote yeah, because too Matt many Walsh dumb people are voting. Matt Walsh is sometimes an idiot and he can't help it. But, you know, the point is that that, that if you look at this stuff, uh, y- you realize that it's not any different than most states out there now. And what you also have to understand is uh, much of what happened before, what was put in place before, was done under an emergency declaration. So they extend, extended hours and tried to make it easy for everybody in the, you know, this COVID panic so that they could vote. What they're basically doing is going back to the way they did it before, which was you have a week to do early, vo- early voting, because I've worked these. They're seven days, uh, you know, seven to seven uh, for seven days, and you've got to find a place in there to go vote. Or you can come on on uh, the, the regular voting day or you can do absentee. And the horror of the absentee thing is when you send your absentee ballot in, instead of trying to match your signature from, you know, 25 years ago to what you're writing today, they're asking you to send your driver's license number and your full name in. And they'll pull all that stuff up, which they have in the system, to make sure that you are the guy that's making the vote and somebody doesn't vote twice. That's it. That's horrible, huh? Well, your rightful governor, Stacey Abrams, disagrees with you. <laughs> of course she does. Her life is, she's like Al Harpin. Uh, you know, I mean, everything's a voter suppression thing about, and it's all about race. Uh you know, this is, there's not, these, you know, we, we talk, you know, we hear left talk about common sense gun laws. Well, these are common sense voting laws. These make sense. And that gives integrity back to the damn system that was apparently, or if you believe some, completely breached during the declaration, uh, emergency declaration of a COVID-19. Yeah, well, I've come, uh, not, was a... I've come not to rely too heavily on the judgment about voter suppression from people who think that 16-year-olds should be voted. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, the other thing that I think the law contained that that's that's uh, I think is interesting because I've seen it uh, in action is, uh, you know, there was one of the things where, you know, you, you heard about the long lines in Georgia. Well, that's just mismanagement more than anything and, and and what happened was the state and, and essentially we're talking about fulton county fulton county is a train wreck when it comes to voting so the state had told them uh many times that they needed to break uh these super precincts they had into smaller precincts of 2000 or less and get the proper voting machines and poll workers and in, in those but instead they made these mega precincts well they were a disaster um, and, and so the, they've now directed that they will have 2,000 or less, or they will have uh, more uh, voting machines or poll workers. And if they can't do either of those, then they will measure no fewer than three times a day, you know, morning, midday, and the close, 
how long it took to, to get through their lines and the state will then react to that and, and see if they can't remedy uh, that situation. I mean, that sounds pers- perfectly reasonable to me. It also sounds like the, the idea behind it is to make it easier for people to vote and not be frustrated standing in line. Well, again, if we had a real press in this country, it would be reported factually. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the last thing is, oh, my God, they said, you know, if you start counting votes, you vote, you count till you're finished. And the the uh, the problem before was that the law said that they had to count absentee ballots on the same day that they counted uh, regular ballots. Well, that was what was changed in the law. Now you can count absentees as they come in, which means that there's no reason in the world on voting day that you can't count the votes that came in. Right, because now you don't have to, the, the, the absentee vote should already have been counted. That's correct. So to me, when I read through all this stuff, I went, wow, all that makes sense. Having seen the, you know, what, what went on, this all makes sense to me. It sounds like a, 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 an improvement. And then I read the press and I thought, oh, my God, they're not going to shoot any more movies in Georgia again. <laughs> yeah, well, just listening to people like Amy Klobuchar <laughs> coming out and saying, you know what, if, if your victory depends on voter suppression, you shouldn't hold office. Well, oh my con- goodness. conversely, if you're maintaining political power, um, requires making uh, voter fraud easier, maybe you shouldn't be holding office either. Yeah, absolutely true. And, or you're trying to steal a seat in Iowa because, well, you can. Well, yeah, that was Nancy Pelosi's argument this week. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't care how that election turned out. I can throw anybody out I want. I, I don't have to seat her. Oh. But it's been certified by the state. She doesn't care. Nope, she does not. So it looks like constitutional crisis after constitutional crisis is on the way because one of the things that Joe Biden did, uh, although didn't talk about it much during his press conference, now appears to be the the case uh, where he's just going to enact his own gun control through uh, executive orders. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, that, that's, you know, like all executive orders, they affect only the, the executive branch and those that work for it. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how this is going to work, and I'll be interested to hear it. But I don't see much coming out of that except Joe feeling good about signing his name again. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of things that, that you know, may not survive any sort of court scrutiny, the city of New York today uh, their city council voted to remove qualified immunity from police officers. Me? Okay. That'll be a Yeah. I wonder what the retirement rate will be tomorrow. Good luck making that stick in a state or federal court. Yeah. Because that's where yeah, these cases are heard, and you live in a qualified say, immunity state. I was going to say, that doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, you can, doesn't quite work that way. You you can make all of the you know city council resolutions you want. You go walking into a, a state superior court, and that's all out the window. Whatever your city says has no bearing on what state law is. Absolutely true. 
not that I'm a fan of qualified immunity by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's no, just, but that's the way the law works. It's just the, the, the get, grandstanding. Yeah, you don't get to decide in some city that you're not going <laughs> to, you're going to overturn the state law. Yeah, well, that's what they did today. And they're crowing about how, ah, no police officer has qualified immunity in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see how that works out the first time yeah. somebody walks into state court and tries to make that argument. I don't think yeah. uh, I don't think uh, I don't think you get to a null state law at the city level. Not 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 recently anyway. <laughs> not, not since the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh well, yeah, it's just uh, one of the weird. Uh, one of the weird things happened this week. Um, what was the other thing that we were we were talking about for the, the filibuster, the, oh, Jim yeah. Crow filibuster that the Democrats invoked two hundred and fifty times last year? Yeah, in fact, <laughs> it's now it's in, now racist. In fact, uh, when it comes to filibusters, I believe the current count of the most recent couple of years is actually three hundred and seventy-five filibusters. 374 yeah. of which were carried out by Democrats, one of which was carried out by Republicans. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hot mess. It's funny. But, you know, this is this is what the Democrats do well. So what's the first thing they go to? Well, this is racist. Jim Crow, Jim Eagle. I mean, God, that was a lame one. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's now been, you know, everybody's got their talking points. And that's what we're talking now. We're talking Jim Crow filibuster. It, 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 you know, it wasn't Jim Crow filibuster last year. It's Jim Crow filibuster this year. And of course, as we at Q&O like to often say, uh, quoting Jerry Brown, the governor, former governor of California, that was then and this is now. So now it's racist. And so what they're doing is exactly that. They're, who they're going after is, is uh, Joe Manchin and, and uh, Kristen uh, Sinka. Those are the two who have said that they will not support overturning uh, the filibuster. And so, you know, Schumer's out there telling all the progressive and, quote, pro-democracy groups to really exert external pressure on these guys and, and, uh, you know, do the do the uh, do away with the filibuster. Because as as I was reading Politico, there's a senator, one of the senators, (laughs) Democratic senators who chose to remain, remain anonymous. He said bluntly, these bills they have coming in don't have 50 votes. So, you know, the the alternative to that is then to go after Joe Mass, uh, uh, what's his name, Manchin, Manchin. and Crystal Simca, yeah, and get them to to vote to overturn uh, the filibuster, and then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, and so Politico also, well, you'll love this, also reported that, hey, if the de- the, the Democrats are obviously you know fine with playing the race card. Uh, by calling in Al Sharpton's racist circus. And, and this is a, here's a quote uh, from uh, uh, Sharpton. He says, uh, the pressure that we're going to put on cinema and mansion uh, is calling the filibuster racist and saying that they are in effect supporting racism, Sharpton said. Why would they be wedded to something that has those results? The, their voters need to know that. Know what? 
Yeah. That, that Al Sharpton just decided that this is suddenly racist. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I, as, as, as I so often do, I refer to the words of uh, Barack Obama and his discussion yes. of the filibuster. But the American yes. people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day, they expect both parties to work together to get the people's business done. What they don't expect is for one party, be it Republican or Democrat, to change the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. The American people want less partisanship in this town, but everyone in this chamber knows that if the majority chooses to end the filibuster, if they choose to change the rules and put an end to democratic debate, then the fighting and the bitterness and the gridlock will only get worse. Now, I understand that Republicans are getting a lot of pressure to do this from factions outside the chamber, but we need to rise above the ends justify the means mentality because we're here to answer to the people, all of the people, not just the ones that are wearing our particular party label. Well, there we go. Words of wisdom from Barack Obama. Oh, but wait, that was in 2008. Um, this week he said, uh, if all this takes is elim eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. Yeah, that was then. This is now. Speaking of that was then, how about Joe Biden on the filibuster? He said it's not only a bad idea, it upsets the constitutional design and it disservices the country. No longer would the Senate be the different kind of legislative body that the founders intended. No longer would the Senate be the saucer to cool the passions of the immediate majority. Yeah, well, doesn't sound like a Jim Crow thing there, does it? Yeah, well, uh, again, that was then, this is now, and that's what it all comes down to. <laughs> yep, Jerry Brown was a visionary. We were the minority then, therefore the filibuster was important. Now that we're in control, screw you guys. Yeah, exactly right. <clears throat> and that's exactly what's happening. You know, they're ready to nuke the filibuster. And um, <clears throat> it's just... Uh, they do, and it's just they just don't understand what's going to happen. Because yeah. then, then all and the, and by the, the way, how do how do they not understand it after what Harry Reid did with judicial nominations? Yeah, yes, How do they exactly. not know how badly this can backfire? I the the only way is if you assume through some extraordinary hubris that you will never again be in the minority. Yeah. And God, with the slim margins they have right now, how can they not understand that? And especially the way they're acting, how can they not understand that that's probably two years off? A 50-50 Senate is, is going to be a fairly short honeymoon for them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, you know, you give, you give your opposition the opportunity to just have majority votes um, whatever you do in these two years are going to be gone as soon as the, the minority becomes the majority. I tell you what would be hilarious 
is, uh, I don't think this is going to pass because I don't think that Manchin or Cinema are going to go for it. Um, Cinema might. I don't think Manchin will. He seems to have a pretty, he seems to be pretty rock solid in his confidence and his ability to maintain his seat. And so it's not going to happen. But what would be hilarious is if uh, in the 2024 elections, or 2022 elections, rather, uh, Republicans come back with a majority, even a one-seat majority, and have Mitch McConnell come out and say, oh, you want to get rid of the filibuster? Now we'll do it. And just <laughs> just see what the arguments are from people like Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> well, I'm sure that... I'm sure that Joe would go either dust off his old speech or, or, or take take Barack Obama's and pretend it's his. One of the two. And by the way, if I ran a news organization and this talk was going on about you know the filibuster and stuff, I would be playing back-to-back things that Joe Biden said now with videos of stuff he said in the past. And just yeah. say, watch change. It's all there. <clears throat> yeah, and Barack there. Obama, I'd be putting those back-to-back as well. And just saying, you know, these arguments seem to be entirely different to what they were saying whenever they were in the minority. So this does not appear to be based in principle at all. This is pure political grandstanding. Right. And then at the at the bottom, you put a little inset of Jerry Brown going, that was then. This is now. (laughs) This is now. But that's that's where we are. I just I don't think that. I really don't think that it's going to pass. Not in the fifty. I don't think a lot of their stuff's going to pass. I mean, I just don't. And I and I don't think they're going to be able to successfully get rid of the filibuster. Um, but that is sure what they're trying to do. And and it's you know they I well like that senator said you know there aren't fifty votes for the for this crap that's coming through from the house. They're just not there. And so you know they can't. If they can't get um, uh, the filibuster gone, they they have no prayer of getting this stuff through. Uh, they at least have a prayer um, if they get rid of the filibuster. But they don't. They're going to – I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised given some of these bills that they lose four or five Democratic senators Which, who are in basically purple states. By the way, this is how our government is supposed to work. A bunch yeah. of a bunch of wild-eyed yahoos in the House propose all sorts of unworkable or unwise legislation, and then it dies in the Senate. That's the way it's yes. always worked. And that's what Joe Biden said in his little speech. He said they're supposed to be the the the, the saucer that cools uh, the passions of the immediate majority. Yes, that's the that is one of the functions of the Senate. Of course, the other function of the Senate that was amended away was to be the voice of the state. Yes, not directly elected. Right. Which uh, don't don't even get me started, Bruce. Don't no, even get me we've, started. We've, we've, <laughs> we've beaten that uh, we've beaten that old dead horse a lot. And you know it'll it'll never be changed, but it, it, it has to no. be the worst thing that we've ever done. It was, yeah, it was a mistake, and it's almost impossible to recover from now. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, there was another mass shooting this week. Well, um, actually, there were two. Yeah, actually, there one were. One of them that has been dropped like a hot rock. There were two. Uh, the one I'm referring to specifically is the one in Boulder, where once again, a uh, enraged white man. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> a fellow named Ahmad al-Isi 
um, who killed 10 people with an AR-15, except it wasn't an AR-15. It, <laughs> it was a be, Ruger handgun. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think one wag wrote earlier on Twitter, um, are we sure that this still happened in Boulder? <laughs> But of course, it's brought back the whole uh, the whole controversy over guns, and of course now Gee, Democrats are more or less in control. Um, they need to be taken away. You just don't need your guns, and you certainly don't need these weapons of war that they keep talking yes. about. Yes, weapons of war. Hmm. If we ever sell any to the civilian market, let me know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although, I well, actually, you couldn't even buy a, an M16 as a civilian, right? Because the only no. things that you can get a tax stamp for are for automatic weapons that existed prior to 1986. Right. So, well, I guess you could get an old M16 because that existed prior to 86. So, I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess it's you possible could. you can yeah, get I an NFA I certainly stamp. wouldn't want one. <laughs> yeah, neither would I. Yeah. I carried one every day for 10 years, and I still wouldn't mm. want one. I carried the originals that were jamming up so bad <clears throat> in Vietnam. Yeah, so, I was yeah, I was no, lucky. I, I had the A1. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but Mattel, that's that's right. Anyway. I, I keep forgetting that this has been the US military's primary weapon for 70 years now. Yeah, a long <laughs> freaking time. Yep. When was the last time the United States military kept the same, more or less the same weapon, certainly the same platform, from 1965 um, to 2021 currently. We're talking 60 years now. Yeah, my, my, I remember um, when, when they first uh, issued the M16, my dad was in the Army. I wasn't even in the Army yet. And he, I remember him telling me about watching a, a demonstration of that versus the old the m14 and uh you know he was not impressed <laughs> although my, my grandfather <laughs> did tell the story that uh whenever they first because my grandfather was in the invasions of north africa sicily salerno anzio omaha beach and southern france nice and uh, he said when they um uh, when they were getting prepared for landing in North Africa. He was issued an M1903 Springfield. Yeah. Now that 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 is from 1903 to 1942. That's 39 years. Now that's a pretty mm -hmm. long service life. And that was an ancient weapon even then, yeah. 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 So, you know, a, a weapon for 60 years and obviously we've changed the M16 a bit. Uh, made it yeah. more reliable. We've certainly changed the ammo, but I, I, I honestly can't believe we're still carrying that. Uh, carrying that. Thing I know. Around. However, wait, wait. that is a, a little bit off topic from <laughs> from the the, the the shootings, which you know, all of the suggestions that the Democrats constantly make for common sense gun control law would not have stopped this. Not one. Not one of them would have stopped. But we've had other shootings exactly like that. Because, why? Because the gun was obtained illegally. Yeah, exactly. He and and it makes the, exactly the point is you can pass all these gun laws, but they call these folks criminals for a reason. 
Yeah, they're criminals. The guy that shot up the uh, massage parlors that happened to be Asian massage parlors that kicked off this whole thing about the climate of Asian hate, which right. we'll have to discuss a little bit here. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, none of this would have stopped these fellows. No. And and that's the point. These There is this common law or, or common sense gun law crap is just a, a front for figuring out a way to take your guns away from you. I mean, let's let's face it, that's what it is. And so the the it was funny. We had we had the two shootings this week <clears throat> and the Boulder shooting once we found out that this guy wasn't a white guy was dropped like a hot rock. You barely hear anything about it anymore as com- in, in comparison to the Atlanta shooting at the <clears throat> the massage parlors um, which was, uh, you know, a, a white guy. Um, you haven't heard anything or seen anything like the coverage that it's gotten for the Boulder shooting. And of course, there's the, the reason is this one fits the two narratives. Uh, one <clears throat> is, is the white supremacy narrative. And, and two is the anti-Asian hate narrative. So this guy was just a gift to the left. And they just have taken it and run as far as they can, even though in testimony before Congress, uh, FBI Director Ray said that the investiga- investigation uh, revealed no racial prejudice as a cause for these shootings. None. So Democrats and the left, Doesn't as matter. usual, yeah, it, Democrats and the left, as usual, are engaged in evidence-free nonsense uh, to try and make this fit that narrative. Well, look, when you talk about evidence-free nonsense, there is an actual database of, of uh, what they consider mass shootings, which is more than three, yes. three or more people shot in any specific shooting incident. Right. And they have uh, all the details of the shooting that are known, including mug shots of the perpetrators. Right. And if you go, and what we've been hearing is, and this is one of the people on Twitter said, I am so tired of having to wake up every day worried that some white man is going to go crazy. Right. I have some very, very bad news for you when it comes to murder statistics. And the news is equally as bad when it comes to the racial breakdown of people who are perpetrators in mass shootings if we define them by three or more and if you go look at the list of mug shots of every mass shooter in 2019 or 2018 which are available online i'm afraid you're going to find that list of uh, that that list of mug shots that rogues gallery is going to be far more diverse than you're going to find comfortable yes in fact as far as numbers go white white people account for 77 percent of America, okay, and and uh, they're actually uh, underrepresented uh, among. Actually, I think it's fifty-seven percent, not yeah, seventy-seven. What's that? I think it's fifty-seven, not seventy-seven. No, it's seventy-six point nine. Six point nine percent of Americans. The current census says seventy-six point nine percent of Americans are white. It also says that Asians make up 7.4% of the data set versus, and I'm talking the data set of mass shooters, and they they are estimated at 5.7% of the population. 
and as and and the black representation 17 percent of the mass shooters are black and they are an estimated 13.3 percent of the population so whites are underrepresented blacks and asians are overrepresented i mean it's just an odd thing but that's the way it is yeah but and, but what we're told is well these mass shooters are always white that's just not well that's right it's a true. myth and, and 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 the other thing that that's kind of interesting when, when so those are mass shootings okay but when you when you get down to just homicides you know just plain old homicides the white america you know whites are again underrepresented uh, underrepresented and blacks are very much overrepresented uh in those uh, statistics but this is just blatantly and completely ignored uh by uh the media i mean this you have to go dig around to find this crap well you so, don't have to do too much digging just open up the fbi's uniform crime statistics right exactly yeah but i'm talking about in the media well you know, yeah the, that's the too media, hard for yeah, yeah. too the hard media, for a reporter media, to look up clearly right the media actually presenting those numbers and and so that's the that's the thing and you know uh, we're into this into this uh Asian hate thing now suddenly, you know, suddenly that's a big topic because I, I guess the Democrats didn't do well with Asians or something. I don't know. I mean, that's all I can figure. Yeah, I always look at everything they do or say as political. And um, they were the center. You'll love this. The Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. It studied 16 U.S. studies and concluded Asian Americans reported 150 percent more crimes in the last year than in prior years. Okay. So you're saying, wow, 150%, right? So San Diego, for example, saw a grand total of one hate crime in 2020. That's one of the 16 cities. Uh, large cities such as Chicago, Phoenix, and Houston had similar numbers. In fact, of the 122 total anti-Asian hate crime cases in 2020, 28 came from New York City, 15 from Los Angeles, and 14 from Boston. So maybe it's a problem just in those cities yeah <laughs> instead of a nationwide problem yeah I, I when i so it was one of the things that kind of surprised me this week whenever they talked about you know this rash of anti-asian violence yeah. and i was literally do am i missing something have i not <laughs> have i well this is all this is all the wuhan virus thing you know uh, I mean, there oh, yeah, have, that's have right. been people. There have China. been people that were attacked because of the Wuhan, like the little Asian lady on the bus that was attacked by a group of black girl teenagers over that. But yeah. they didn't bring that. And, and by the way, China has been playing that for all of its worth. Oh uh, God, yes. It's state-run media, its government spokesmen. But I repeat myself. Um, are all saying, well, you know, criticism of China is just China is just anti-Asian bias. Yeah, and and you know the other thing that that uh, uh, that supposedly the Asians uh, suffer from is being the quote model minority end quote. I mean that's used as a pejorative. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to get along and do well and all that stuff. I mean, how can you be a victim when you do that? How can you be a victim of oppression when you're... If I was to get... Sorry about that. So, I didn't realize that that uh, story that I was uh, about to link to 
had uh, <laughs> had an autoplay video associated with it. Uh, because what yeah. I was going to point out is that the former director for the Centers of Disease Control went on to CNN and they asked him about the uh, about the root of coronavirus and where it came from. And he just said, well, it, I'm no longer the CDC director, so I'm allowed to have opinions now. And my opinion is it came from this uh, this uh, laboratory in Wuhan. Yeah, and I think he's exactly right. I think he is, too. Yep. So there, you know, there you have it. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just, it, it's absurd. And by the way, no one at CNN wanted to be told that. Well, of course not. Of course not. It's like the lawyer that doesn't know the answer to the question he asked. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess what they expected was that Redfield was going to parrot the WHO line, which is, right. it's a mystery, it's a puzzler, it's a poser. Uh, and he yeah. didn't. Good for him. Good uh, for him. So, you know, and like he said, I'm allowed to have opinions now. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to tow anybody's line. <laughs> so, you know, that was not what they expected, but you know, in a in a sane world, we'd certainly be looking at that the virology lab in, in Wuhan very well, yeah. carefully. Yeah, in a sane world you're exactly right. Yeah, because, you know, Sometimes there are coincidences, but <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, you got a market <laughs> and you got a virology lab right next to it. Gee, wonder where it came from. Yeah. It's, we're, <laughs> we may never know how this happened. Yeah. And look, as a practical matter, if you're depending on uh, anyone in China to tell you anything even remotely truthful, about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. Yep. You know, this, the, the Chinese aren't truthful about, well, anything. No, they're not. And, and anyone that expects it is just, well... A fool. Not very bright, not very well read. But uh, speaking of guns, uh, and I don't know how we got onto Wuhan from the gun control topic... But the Ninth Circuit this week held that there is no inherent right to carry a firearm, concealed or openly, outside the home. Really? Yeah. So, so how do you protect yourself outside your home? Well, they didn't yeah. answer so, that question. But what they yeah, said well, was... And they won't. And I have a feeling that the Supreme Court will have to. Well, you know, it's a really interesting thing because what the Supreme Court has held so far is that you have a right to have a firearm in your home or business. And that's as far well, you as... Got, you and that's you as, can't get it to your business without leaving your home. Yeah, but that's as far as they've gone. Um, so, you know, states obviously have open carry laws that are probably not going to change too substantially as a result of this. Um, but, you know, the there is a long history in this country of... Uh, you know, back in the old West, check in your guns when you come into town, boys. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 a tradition that has been largely observed in, in many places throughout American history, even in the old Wild West. 
Um, in fact, the gunfight only... the, the gun at the OK Corral was precipitated by the fact that the Clantons and McClowry boys did not drop by the sheriff's office and turn their guns into Virgil, who was Yeah, the... those darn criminals, they just won't obey the law, will they? Yeah, that's uh that's the problem. But I, I just thought it was I just thought it was interesting and it, it's obviously something that is probably going to end up at the Supreme Court sooner or later, and honestly I really have no prediction about what the Supreme Court will hold in that case. Even with the the current Supreme Court, with its its current members, I'm not entirely sure that we have a Supreme Court that's going to say, well, if you have a right to have them in your home and in your business, that implies a right to carry them at least from one place to another. So that implies yeah. at least some right to carry. That would be the logical argument based on a pretty good premise. Uh my question and your question is, what twisted premise will they come up with that says you can have them in those two, but you can't get them from one to the other? I mean, I don't see it, but hey, I'm sure, you know, we're talking John Roberts, who, who found out Obamacare's mandate was a tax, you know, so. Yeah, boy, boy, was did that turn out to be a mistaken appointment? <laughs> you know, it's, it's always funny how... People who are conservative when they are nominated and confirmed often turn out to be a little more liberal than we understood over time. And it never happens in the reverse way. There's never a Stephen Breyer who has an awakening on the Supreme Court and says, hey, you know what? These conservatives, this originalist thing, that has a lot of a, a lot of rhetorical power to it. Maybe I should change my mind. <laughs> they seem to always change it. I think I think the D.C. cocktail circuit does it. Don't you? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it, it's it's the it's the whole Anthony Kennedy problem. Yep. We got it. But it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that uh, how that turns out because it comes from the Ninth Circuit and with the current Supreme yeah. Court, like I said, I don't know how they're going to rule, but it it wouldn't surprise me to see a five four decision that said, yeah, there is a right to carry, and then the cat is really out of the bag because you have states like California that just ban open and concealed carry. And right. they are a May issue state. So even if you you know go to your local sheriff and say, hey, I've got this problem. I need a gun. Um, they don't have to give you a, a, a permit at all. Yeah. And, of course, San Diego is notorious for not giving permits. Yep. So that'll be interesting. I, You know, they keep talking about concealed carry reciprocity. And... Um, boy, California is dead set against that because there are states, oh, I know there are states like Virginia that says, "Hey, you want a concealed carry permit? We'll give you one." Uh, well, if I get one in Virginia, even if I'm not a resident, because they do have non-resident permits, does that mean that I can carry in California? Well, with concealed carry um, uh, recognition uh, in all states with reciprocity, I guess I would be able to. Well, I think that's probably right in theory. I think. California may decide to find a different answer to that for whatever reason. And then it's back to the Supreme Court. A Supreme Court, by the way, that has been fairly reticent at uh, discussing the Second Amendment for, oh, about 200 years now. I was going to say fairly reticent my ass. They just won't do it. Well, I You're was being nice. I was trying to be <laughs> trying to be nice, but yeah, They're a bunch of cowards. Yeah, it's, you know? it's just not a subject that they want to they want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, 
these damn cowards. Although Justice Thomas has a tendency to ring their bell every now and then when they do cowardly things. Yeah, he uh, does not uh, have any problem with saying the court should have heard this case. I can't understand why they didn't hear it, uh, which, by the way, yeah. is something he did just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he is, uh, you know, he he's an interesting guy in that he rarely, if ever, asks a question uh, when a case is before the court. But he is very eloquent in his uh, writing and, and very forceful and uh, sometimes not very subtle. He saves his he saves his verbiage for his opinions and his decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is which is interesting. He's an interesting man. Yep. And uh, by the way, um, speaking of the Supreme Court, we're now in a position where Joe Biden is the president, and um, well, quite frankly, uh, Justice Thomas isn't getting any younger. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the left would dance on his grave if he keel over and die uh, they'd be out there having a party hey merrick and of garland course, might get his seat yeah finally no i don't think merrick garland i mean this <laughs> i don't know if it'd be merrick garland maybe it would but i i would assume and this is just me assuming that the left would demand that a person of color be put in there that's a person of color seat ah well yeah there we go with that again yeah, that's not a that's not an open seat that you put some old old white man in. That's a person of color seat. You know, for those of us who were during the who were in the military during all of the dissolution of Yugoslavia and ultimately our intervention in Kosovo, one of the primary problems with Yugoslavia was the way they ran that country on a racial spoil system where there was a Bosnian seat and there was a Serbian seat and there, everybody was pointed out by ethnicity. And whenever you didn't have a, a fairly intrusive and totalitarian police state putting the lid on that thing, it flew apart faster than you could say uh, Jack Robinson. And my fear is that in this country, the way that we are so completely obsessed by race is we're going to end up doing the same thing. Yeah, that's where we're headed. Uh, the critical race theory uh, and the intersectionality and all that good stuff that where, where everybody is put in a box and then, you know, you start dividing the spoils among the boxes. That's exactly where we're headed. Well, if so, we're headed for a Kosovo situation. Yeah, and and and, and essentially, you know, and I, and I keep talking about the fact that the, the strength, or I've talked about this for a while, the strength of America is it was built on an idea, whereas most other nations were created by tribes and what we're in the middle of doing now is reverting to tribalism and it's the damnedest thing i've ever seen you know we were we we talked about the melting pot and the salad bowl well we're beyond the salad bowl we're you know we're putting the lettuce over in this bowl we're putting the onion over in this bowl the tomato over, you know what i'm saying and 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 so we're completely taking apart what made 
and has made this country great, and that is the fact that it was built on ideas, the idea being that all men are created equal and should have equal access uh, to uh, you know, law and order and uh, uh, opportunity. And so, uh, you know, that's where we're headed with critical race theory. And I keep saying, no matter how imperfect the past of this country, and this country, like every other country you care to name, has an imperfect past. Sure. Perhaps even a deeply imperfect past. But the moral arc of this country has been towards more freedom, more equality, more liberty for everyone. And it has been slow and halting progress. And sometimes we fell behind uh, and other times we've taken the lead, but we've always moved in the same direction. And the failure to acknowledge that is, is one of the most irritating things about critical race theory because it assumes that nothing has changed, nothing right. is any better now than it was in 1957, and it will never get better unless we implement a slightly different form of racial discrimination uh, in, in response to past racial discrimination. Right. And it also um, redefines systemic racism is everyone has a bias. And you're supreme, white folks, so you are oppressing us with systemic racism. That's just nonsense. Well, I think it was I think it was Josh Hawley last week in the Senate uh, looking over um, one of Joe Biden's uh, appointees and questioning her and she said something about how you know you know everyone everyone has racial bias and he said oh what races are you biased against (laughs) exactly she apparently shut up didn't she (laughs) she didn't appear to have a very good answer for that question (laughs) because she didn't because look when you're never questioned about this stuff whenever people just accept it unquestioningly and someone finally says, oh, okay, well, if everybody's biased, what races do you hate? Yeah. Oh, that's not a question that you were expecting to answer because you were just <laughs> expecting people to kowtow to your you know, moral supremacy. And now somebody calls you out on it and, oh, well, I, I don't really have an answer for you. No, you don't. And that tells me everything I need to know about the truth of what you're saying. Amen. Well, Bruce, have a great week, man. We will uh, All right. talk to you next week. You bet. Take care. You so long. You've been listening to Observations Q&O Podcast for Friday, the 26th of March, 2021. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Bruce, this is Dale Frank saying we hope you'll be back listening to us again the next time. Until then, have a great week, everybody. So long. So long.